0: Hey, welcome to Conversations with Ben Dixon, where we discuss important topics through a biblical and spiritual lens. Thank you for joining me. I always want to encourage you where you can go to watch or listen to these podcasts later. You can go to YouTube, type in Ignite Global Ministries, and you'll see the Conversations with Ben Dixon playlist. You can also go to iTunes, that's Apple Podcasts, or Spotify for the audio. You can like, subscribe, download all of this, share it with your friends, and if you forget all that, Go to conversationswithbendixson.com. It's got all the information there that you need to know. Today, I brought Trevor Loya back to be the co host. I'm excited about that. He did move to Atlanta. We have forgiven him. We are thankful that we can do this now virtually. Trevor, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us today. I was going to say tuning in. It's really like tuning in because you're so far away.
1: <laughs> oh, it absolutely is.
0: Okay, what's it like in Atlanta versus Seattle? Give us in a, in a nutshell.
1: Well, today, today it's one hundred and three degrees, and so uh, that's all I got to say. I'm barely alive.
0: All right, and it seems like every street is called Peachtree. Somebody like
1: yes, Peachtree, tr- yeah. It's everything has a fruit to it or a tree to it, <laughs> uh, something like that. Right. There's more churches than there are Starbucks. Oh wow. So that's interesting. Yeah. You know? Well, with you their know, street yeah. names you and, know, and
0: titles of churches, very innovative. Anyways, we wanna <laughs> we wanna we wanna zero in on a topic that's important. And we did talk about in the beginning of season three that we wanted to discuss things like the good, the bad, and the ugly of charismatic Christianity or Pentecostal churches, of which we are a part of. And uh, we're not ashamed to be charismatic Christians or Pentecostal Christians, but we do think that there are things that we need to discuss and discern. And we're trying to do that now. We've already dealt with things like the Word of Faith. We talked about what healing really is from the Bible and what people should expect and how we should appropriate our faith as it comes to things like healing and deliverance. And last month it was, I talked about abortion and the culture of life with Pastor Ryan Kim, but now we're back with Trevor, hopefully being our co-host long-term, and today we want to talk about hearing the voice of God. We're probably going to have discussion about this several times because we're just going to dive in and uh, see how far we can get. But today's episode is called, Does God Really Speak to People? That is the question. We do want to answer that because this is confusing. People have a lot of questions around this. If you don't know, I did write a book called Hearing God that has nine chapters to deal with this, and a book called Prophesy that deals specifically with hearing God for other people and prophesying. But we want to jump right in, Trevor. We want to talk first Uh, from the angle of what beliefs exist in the Christian world. When we think about hearing the voice of God, we know not everybody's on the same page. We don't all believe the same thing, even though we have many brothers and sisters in the Lord across the evangelical spectrum, even the charismatic spectrum. There are a lot of different beliefs. What kind of beliefs do uh, we have when it comes to hearing the voice of God?
1: Yeah, I think the first one that is uh, everyone believes that is orthodox is that God communicates, but specifically only communicates to people through his word. And so uh, this means that the spirit of God is limited uh, to not communicating and not speaking through a lot of ways we see that happen in scripture, but ultimately the Bible is here and that we have the scripture, and the scripture has everything we need. Uh, like for Second, uh, Second Timothy says, for life and godliness, that we have everything we need to equip for righteousness. Uh, for and, and so they say we don't need to hear God other than what's in the word. Now that sounds really good. And uh, uh, so any other word we hear from God, like. God saying, hey, you need to go to this college or you should say yes to that job opportunity or God told me to move here to be a missionary. God doesn't do that. That's this camp. They uh, they may use different language, like something stirred in my heart, they may say, but they won't make it like God said that they're going. They'll say it in different ways if they feel an unction inside of them to do those things. So ultimately, this camp... Carries this theological perspective that God only speaks through His Word, and so we learn through reading it, and doing it, and and exegeting it properly.
0: Yeah, no, this is uh, uh, not always, but most of the time, people that believe God only communicates through His written Word, they typically are cessationists almost all the time. They do Mm -hmm. not usually hold to the gifts of the Spirit being available for today. And even the way that they interpret what prophecy is, if they think prophecy still exists today, or what New Testament prophecy is, is to actually exegete and preach God's Word. They've changed language, biblical language, even to suggest that's what we're doing when we preach the Word as we're prophesying. This perspective, though, is um, sometimes the Reformers call this solus scriptura, and what they mean by this is not just that we believe that God's Word is enough for... Uh, the Christian in terms of uh, it has authority, divine authority over all faith and practice as it pertains to the Christian. Sometimes it goes far beyond that when they say sola scriptura, they mean the Holy Spirit is not active today in the way that He once was. He's not communicating today in the way that He once did. The only reason He did that was to bring about His Word. Now His Word is established. His Word is clear. It's fixed. It's unchanging. God is immutable, and so there is no extra-biblical revelation. And people like in this camp would actually put sort of Mormonism And any other book, uh, like the Quran from Islam, they would say this is extra-biblical revelation, so anybody that's a Christian that believes God still speaks today is in danger of doing the things that other religions have done in their development of other books. They would consider that extra-biblical revelation and, and not the revelation of God's Word. They would have a high view of Scripture and believe that anybody that doesn't feel the same way they do or say what they say, believe and teach what they do, they would say that we have a low view of Scripture. Now, clearly, if you're watching this, if you know us, we don't agree with this perspective. I do want to say that I honor people who want to honor the Bible and have a high view of Scripture. I can understand where they're coming from, and they definitely are not interested in um, being led by people that Go about by every whim or every doctrine or every new teaching or every feeling, or anytime something happens that they think is supernatural, they want to sort of develop teaching and doctrine. And so they kind of lump even the healthy and the unhealthy together to suggest it's all wrong. But that is really the first belief, right? That That is God only communicates to people through his word. The second one, which we could talk about for a while, is God only or mostly speaks to specific people, prophets or specially anointed Um, This is where a person will look beyond a personal God speaking to people relationally and personally, not necessarily thinking um, that uh, the same as the previous camp where God's uh, they don't equate God speaking today as God's Word per se, but they don't think that it's accessible to every single Christian and that's sort of this camp, that's this view. Um, I think that it sometimes comes from a person who struggles with who they are before God or even what they understand the Bible teaches. Perhaps they have a, a, a more of an ignorant view of Scripture or maybe they're comparing themselves to other people. But this can also come from people that are unhealthy in that they look at the charismatic camp and they go, whoa, there's these prophets that have all these prophecies about world events and the difficult times and the things that are emerging, and I don't hear anything like that, and there's only a few people in the world that do hear like that, not to mention many of those people that say they do are wrong. They're not going to necessarily bring that up, but there are people who are in this camp. God only or mostly speaks to people uh, that are specially uh, anointed. What would you say about this, Trevor? Trevor?
1: You know, I think there are people who love to get a prophetic word. And so sometimes we end up having this view, not because there's evidence of the scripture in the New Testament that says anything like this. It's quite the contrary in Acts chapter two, that sons and daughters shall prophesy, old men shall dream dreams, that we shall, those who believe in Jesus are able to hear God and walk in some level of the prophetic And so, I think some people, it's easier to hear a prophetic word than to get a word for themselves. Mm. And so, I I think that um, it can be uh, out of just not wanting to pursue God and persist and and begin to press into the Lord in intimacy because it's just harder uh, to hear God for yourself. And it feels more mystical and exciting to get a word from someone, uh, uh, some prophetic person. But we also mistaken because there are people who are more gifted. There are, there's a measure of the prophetic in different people's lives. The common believer has the ability to prophesy. And then there are people who are more gifted in the prophetic or more trained in it or both. And so they're able to hear and discern maybe a little bit better. And since they're not as, they don't hear God as clear as the other person, they may think, well, Maybe I'm not special enough or anointed enough. That must be the anointed person. And so, they position themselves uh, underneath. But I also think there are people who, common people, not just famous, you know, preachers and pastors and quote-unquote prophets who make themselves the anointed, the quote-unquote anointed ones, but there are people in in every church that can carry this level of pride to some degree that feels like they are able to hear God. I know people who always have a sense. It's like, Oh, I knew today was going to happen like this. I just knew it. Like the sen- I'd sense I'd sensed that, or um, they began to uh, have a, they always have dreams about something. They're always saying they feel the atmosphere shift. And that might not be that, that, that could be completely right, but sometimes they try to elevate themselves as more uh, spiritual And so, um, um, so I I feel like there's a lot of ways we find ourselves getting in this scenario, but, um, ultimately it's not a correct view and we got to kind of guard our heart and protect it knowing that God doesn't favor anyone more. He gifts people differently and we're all able to hear God to some degree, to a measure, and he will make himself known because he 's a good father mm-hmm. to each person mm-hmm. um, so yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, I call this special revelation that 's what i that 's what I call it. God only speaks to a few, mm-hmm. and uh, I think a couple things that this will do I mean it comes from uh, like you mentioned, there are leaders that prompt themselves up to be like i 'm the man or woman of God that hears from God. And the way that their church or their ministry exalts them is part of the problem. That's how it gets there, and people believe that. Like, wow, they're specially anointed, and sometimes you hear these stories about, I was birthed in um, some special, supernatural, miraculous way. I've even heard these stories about these people. and All it does is really separate what you might consider common folk, which there are there are really none. It doesn't mean that there aren't gifts and anointing, but it separates everybody from the special and and that's part of why it's there and The other part too is is that I think uh some people just have deep misunderstandings as it pertains to what the Bible really teaches and that is the third view uh which is if you haven't if you couldn't tell by now, you definitely know God speaks to people through His word and by His Holy Spirit. And this is the camp uh, which we're in. And uh, just to break down what this means, here's what we believe about the Bible. The Bible is God's voice for all people, for all time, for every generation. It does not change um, and it is not added to. It is unique, it is in a category all on its own. That is the Word of God. God's Word is fixed. It is closed. However, we do believe, in addition to this, that God communicates personally today, but the personal, relational voice of the Lord to His people through the Holy Spirit does not have the same purpose that the Bible has. And this is where I think people get very confused because when some folks think that a person who believes God speaks through His Word and by His Spirit, that they're equating what He says to me personally, that I would equate what He says to me personally to what He's saying in the Word. Actually, I don't, not even at all, not even a little bit. The Word transcends all people, generations, time, cultures, uh, people groups, all of that. It is fixed for all people. It does not change. When God speaks to me personally, specifically, it's just for me. And it may affect other people, but it's not the same nor does anybody i know or do, i don't know anybody that thinks that it is and that's where there's a lot of confusion and sometimes i use this illustration i use it in my book hearing god and i don't know if if uh, people remember this or catch it but like it, it reminds me of like the game of baseball right so the game of baseball you have uh, everybody has to play by the rules and there's a rule book it's an mlb major league baseball rule book you can go online you can download it you can actually read it yourself Every team, uh, since baseball has existed, they might have made some changes to it, but every team has always had to play by the rule book that 's true for everyone in 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 every team, but every team also develops a language on their team in order to play the game the way they want to play it so for example, pitchers and cat- catchers develop a language for strike and softball or f- fastball. Um, you know, slow pitch, whatever they're doing, right? Change up, whatever they, they have, the catcher will put down a one or a two or a three. And that is a language that's not in the MLB. That's not in the book. Uh, but there is a rule book that dictates specific things for pitchers and catchers and infield and outfield. Everybody plays by, but that specific language that they develop together as a team helps them to play the game that they're all playing effectively and the same thing goes for like first base coach, third base coach. They all have their own language so that they can communicate effectively to their team. The way that I understand this, I, I really got this from Acts 16. And if anybody struggles with this view, I highly recommend that they really think through what they believe about this. Because when people say God only speaks through his word, as you said, Trevor, people will develop their own language to say, well, God, they will say, I really have a peace about moving to Michigan and taking on this church. Or I really have a peace about moving to San Francisco and taking this new job. And it's funny because they're not saying God spoke to me. They're saying, I have a peace. Well, what does that mean you have a peace? <laughs> but I don't believe the Holy Spirit speaks to people today. So I'm just using another language to communicate the same thing. And so a game changer for me was in Acts chapter 16. Although I've always believed that God communicates personally for a different purpose than he does through the word, this is really important. And this is where Paul is traveling on his first missionary journey. He's traveling throughout the known world at his time. And it says that they were on their way to a specific city. And here's what it says, Acts 16 and verse 6. Check this out. It says, they, so this is Paul and his companions, uh, they passed through Phrygia and Galatia, the Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak a word in Asia. That's interesting. So, that's not written in the Bible. That's not in the Torah. That's that's not in the gospel account or anything that would have been passed on to Paul. The Holy Spirit communicated to him not to say anything in Asia. After they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Well, how would they know if the Spirit of Jesus permitted or didn't permit? They would have had to have some belief system that the Holy Spirit communicates with them. That's just very, very clear. And so then it goes on, and passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, come over here to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, here's why this is a game changer, Trevor, and tell me what you think about this. That they already knew what they were supposed to do. They were called to go throughout the known world and preach the gospel. They already knew what the gospel was. So their ministry and their message was defined. Preach the gospel to all creation, make disciples of all nations. That, was, um, that is the non-negotiable, clear ministry and message of Jesus Christ. God's not going to give them a new ministry and a new message. However, look at how they were guided where to go. Not what to do and not what to say, but where to go. And that to me is exactly what I believe about the Bible and the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us what? It tells us who God is, tells us who we are, tells us how the earth came to being or part of it. It gives us an eschatology, the end times, the plan of salvation, how we come to know Christ, how we are saved, how we are sanctified. It gives us our parameters for the Christian life, it gives us all that. But it doesn't necessarily tell us where. To be a part of a local church. It just says that we should be a part of a local church. It tells us that there are gifts of the Spirit available, but not what gifts of the Spirit that I might walk in and function in. It tells me that I should be mentored and discipled, but not who should actually disciple me. These are things that we discern. How do we discern them? Through the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe that, then what you have to decide is that I just believe I make choices and God blesses it. Well, that might partially be how it works too. I'm not suggesting otherwise. I don't think God tells every person what wife he's going to have or what husband she's going to have. I don't think God's going to... Some of it is choices, but in the discernment process, you receive peace. In the discernment process, the Lord leads you within the context of His Word. So, whatever His Word says dictates to us what we know and what we do, and then where there's... Levels of gray. The Holy Spirit does lead us. So, what do you think about all of that, Trevor Lawyer from Atlanta?
1: I, I couldn't say it better myself. Well, we know man, that's true. Ben, you just, you know, that was good, man. <laughs> that was good. That's good. It's like you wrote a book. On I might this, have written a book. Written uh, a book.
0: Yeah, uh, man. I, that I, might happen.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I think those are great things. You know, it's like what you always said was. It's the the Bible is this is the boundaries. And if we are sensing the Lord say something that are out of the boundaries of scripture, it is easily discernible, not the Lord. It's just not true. It's not the Lord. Like, hey, today you should go steal someone's car. Is that the Lord? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to discern that one. (laughs) No, it is clearly not the Lord. We know the boundaries. Thou shalt not not in his word. (laughs) Ew! <laughs> and, uh, you know, sounds like so you've said we, that to your kids. You I, know, I'm
0: just throwing that out there.
1: Oh, oh man. You know, I'm just trying to get them saved. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, just lay hands on them. You know, we pray over them, you know, we just, uh, <laughs> no, but you know, we want to, we want, we want to make sure that everyone knows, especially those who are in camp number one, that you can only hear God through his word that we are saying the foundation we live on is the scriptures. We don't want extra. We don't want added. We don't want to take away. All we want is the fullness of a Christian life, being dependent and filled and abiding in the Holy Spirit and allowing the third person of the Trinity to do everything he's made to do in us and through us. Not that he's made, he is eternal. I, I don't mean it like that. Back up I mean on that, that theology. He, yep. Is mean that work? That and we need to allow. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I, I mean that he's, he is not created. Hey, he po- is po- podcasts are a great time eternal... to clear up any theological
0: nuances that you might be struggling with. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Trevor, do you believe in the Trinity? <laughs> you know, I'm not a modalist. I'm not a, yes, I believe in the <laughs> All right, Trinity. Okay. Move on. <laughs> I'm not a, yeah, I'm not a Unitarian. I'm not a modalist. I'm not any of those heretical things. Okay. We, you know, so, so we want the fullness of the life in the spirit. That's what we want. And so, but, and we, we believe not only the scriptures, but we believe what the scriptures say we can do. We shall do. So as you quote Acts chapter 16 on how they walk their life as missionaries on their missionary journey and how the spirit of God led them. And there's something clear and distinct that led them to that. That Mark then to say that is the Lord telling us where to go. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, you just said it better. I just tried to say it again. You know, eighty percent as good as you did.
0: Well, the key word in what you did say was "try." <laughs> so and try you shall. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, we, I think everybody's appreciative that's watching this of of our humor together. Well, okay, so here's the thing: we've we've only told you about three. Uh, different perspectives. There probably are are more. I'm not going to give any credence to the, the other ones because these are probably the large, larger ones. And so we're in camp three. So it's important for us to talk about why we, how we got there, why we're there. And I, I always have like a three point model for why I believe that we can hear the voice of God today. If people ask me, why do you believe this? And I say, well, so glad you asked. And there's, there's three things that I address always. And the first one is God spoke to people personally throughout the Bible. So if you have a high view of scripture, you just have to consider that not only the people that wrote scripture, but the people that are talked about in scripture, uh, they heard God personally, many, many of them. Hundreds of people heard, heard the voice of God personally that are recorded in scripture. Uh, or perhaps hundreds, lots of people. The second is that we can see from church history throughout the various ages that God spoke to people personally. It's recorded. There's a lot of work that's been done to cover up a lot of that, but you can read this throughout church history, no matter what age that you're reading about. They just use different language, and you have to be aware of that. So, that's the second thing. The third thing is God speaks to people personally today. Are there abuses, misuses, of course, are there people who said that God spoke to them and they and He didn't? Of course, those aren't our Bible. Uh, those are just that's just what people do and say that there's a lot of abuses no matter what the issue is. That is true for this one as well. So when we look at God speaking to people personally throughout the Bible, what do you think about when you are going to teach people, or are you going to talk about this issue? Hey, look at this as an example for how God spoke to people throughout the Bible or how it says that God will speak to people personally. What are things that you bring up from, from that perspective?
1: Well, it all comes out of, the beginning, Genesis chapter one, mm-hmm. he created with this implication for relationship. And there is, uh, uh, it's just clear that no one can have relationship without any level of communication. And so we see humans distinct in all of creation where God speaks to them and uh, where God would walk through the garden. I mean, they knew the sound of his walking, even when they were stuck in their shame already Mm -hmm. in uh, in sin. And they heard the sound of God walking through the garden. They knew what it sounded like for God to enter in to the garden in a specific way. Mm -hmm. And they hid because they knew closeness. They knew that God gave them directives. God didn't give directives to any other living creature, but he did to Adam and he did to Eve to, to cultivate and and to begin to take dominion on in the, in the world to multiply to uh, to multiply uh, in the world. And so they heard God's voice. And then you see the patriarchs hear God's voice in directives. Now we can say, well, God was using special people for a special time. But there's nowhere in the New Testament that would say only special people can hear God. U- ultimately, Jesus was bridging gaps to say, no, it's not just for special people. So I think to make it really simple is that God made us for relationship. Mm-hmm. We see that in the beginning, Jesus restored that relationship and ultimately says John in John chapter 10, my sheep will hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Mm-hmm. He's restoring back to us a relationship where we can hear him and have levels of intimacy that we couldn't, because sin entered in, and so he paved that way. It's just the gospel, really, and now we get to participate in relationship. And I would say, in addition, is Ephesians chapter three, where he ex- he begins to talk about this prayer. Paul writes this prayer that that you know how high and long, how deep, how 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 deep is this love of God that is beyond comprehension? It is it is that it's it's that amazing. He's talking about there's levels that are just not in the tangible and the material that we're experiencing something deeper in relationship with God. And and all of that on top of Jesus then ultimately saying in John chapter 16, the role of the Holy Spirit, that when the spirit of truth comes, see, I mean, if we just pause there, I think people say, well, there's the Holy Spirit here, and he's the wacky guy. And then there's the Bible over here, and that's the truth. Well, The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, reminding us of what Jesus says, guiding us into all truth, Mm -hmm. speaking on his own initiative, that that he hears what the Father is saying at all times. And so, Jesus is restoring this beautiful picture of relationship where he can speak to his creation and his people. And again, he gave us his word as that tool, and he gave us his spirit as as another tool. So that we could have that abiding relationship with Him, um, and so so we we see it all over the Scriptures. We see it as a theology built from the beginning and restored through the work of Jesus. It is a it is should be common to hear the voice of God and to know the voice of God and to pursue the voice of God when we receive Jesus and become disciples of Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it is all over the Bible. And and that's what people have to realize is if you struggle with this, okay, fine. But when you read Scripture, do you distance yourself from people in the Bible, or do you see yourself as someone who could have lived during that time and just responded as they did? And that's right or wrong, that's how I think of myself, not as better than equal to, just similar to. That I could have been, or you could have been, any of these people, um, or some that are not even recorded, that God communicated with, that weren't needed to be recorded in Scripture. But like, one of the things that I've thought through as we, you know, as you sort of pan through Old Testament, life of Jesus, and then, of course, the work of the Spirit in the New Testament, is that when God speaks to Adam and Eve first, then all the way to chapter 20 in Genesis, He speaks audibly and clearly to Cain, Abel, Noah, Abraham, The assumption is he's speaking audibly and clearly. The difference, though, because sometimes people will say, well, why does it seem like God starts communicating in all these other ways? We actually don't know the answer to that, but he did communicate audibly, solely, up until Genesis Genesis chapter 20. At that point, he starts to diversify what communication looks like from him. I don't know why. I can't answer that question. People ask me that. I don't know why, but you see dreams, you see visions, and then God clearly it seems like in some people's view is less personal and that's why he distinguishes his relationship with Moses he said like in numbers 12:6 he says where there is a prophet among you I the lord reveal myself to them in visions I speak to them in dreams but this isn't true of Moses he is faithful in all my house with him I speak face to face the hebrew would also mean like mouth to mouth like this close clearly and not in riddles he sees the form of the lord so it looks like god was very personal very communicative in the beginning. And then it started to diversify. And then Moses is really typifies Christ that is to come. Jesus establishes something for us under the new covenant. And so, there is this communication that still happens from God, but it isn't as personal as it once was or likely would be. And so, when you reference John 10, Jesus is my sheep. He's the the shepherd, we're the sheep. And then you reference John 16. I like... I like John 16, 12 to kind of help establish this thing about Scripture telling us that Jesus is going, the Spirit of Christ is going to speak to and through us. He says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Why? But when he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative. Whatever he hears, he will speak. He will disclose to you what is to come. So, it's interesting. A person could say he's only speaking this to the disciples. Well, he's speaking to this speaking this to the disciples, but it's not just for the disciples. It's for them and every other disciple after them. Because when the Spirit comes, the Spirit comes to all those who believe in Jesus. He's not going to speak on his own initiative. We know Jesus already said, he's going to be in you. He's going to live within you. And so, he's going to lead us and guide us into all truth. He's going to communicate to us. Another scripture that I've always thought of, which is kind of interesting, is James 1, where he says, Um, If you lack wisdom, ask of God, and he gives liberally, he gives generously. I've always asked the question, well, how does God give you wisdom? What what is it that we expect? If you say, right now, if you say, God, give me wisdom, what is the expectation that we have in how God is going to give that to us? That's an interesting thing to think through. Is he just going to download it into our brain chip, and we're going to just know stuff, Uh, Or is he going to somehow communicate to us in a way where we can discern, this is heavenly wisdom? James 3 uh, actually tells us what wisdom from above looks like. Well, why would we even need to know a discerning factor of what heavenly wisdom looks like if all we needed was the word? Why would James even feel the need to actually help describe and define and give us discerning principles to even know that? James 1, he says, ask for wisdom. James 3 tells us what heavenly wisdom is like in comparison to worldly wisdom. Well, he could just say, read the word. (laughs) I mean, there's just a lot of things that could happen and it doesn't happen. And so we need the Holy Spirit. The other part of this is that even if you say God only speaks through the word, whose version, whose interpretation, the Methodists and the Presbyterians don't all agree. The Lutherans and the Catholics don't all see it the same way. The Pentecostals definitely don't see it all the same way as many others. So, the interpretation of the Word, we would call that the illumination of the Scripture. We need the Holy Spirit to help us grow, to teach us, to guide us into all truth, where we can truly discern the truth of the Word. And yes, that seems vulnerable. That seems um, like He has to do a lot because He does. So, we need the Word and the Spirit. Let me ask you this, if you've ever heard this perspective before, but I didn't write about this in my book, but it was something that kind of came to me later. If you think about people that lived under the old covenant, they had the Torah, they had the law, they had the Ten Commandments, and then, of course, they had, um, later on at least, they had the commandments, the fullness of the 637 laws as well, past you know, Exodus and you know whenever that came to be, but they had this, uh, Moses had written it down for the people of God, they had that, but when you go through Deuteronomy, it'll say things like you'll hear Yahweh say through Moses and other places in the prophets as well, you did not obey my law or my voice. It says it multiple times. You did not obey my law nor my voice. Interesting that it puts it into two categories there. I, I actually think that's the same thing we're talking about in the new covenant is that the law is fixed, stake in the ground. His voice is specific in that generation or to that person or that people for that time. I really think this is the way God has always functioned, is that the overarching word for all and then the specific word for some. I, I think you could find it in the old covenant, you could find it in the life of Jesus, and you can find it in the in the new. And so, God spoke to people personally throughout the Bible. The second part is that church history is just packed with people that heard uh, the voice of God, and uh, almost in every tradition of christendom you 're going to find numerous people throughout the church age where pe- they 've heard the voice of God in some way again, people have done great uh, damage to this perspective because they 're trying to cover it up and act like it 's not really there, but it is really there um, what do we sa- what do you know about that
1: well yeah i mean there's there are plenty and uh... I mean, the one that really comes to my mind is Brother Yoon in China. He's uh, he's he's living now, but his radical conversion to Jesus was incredible. And there, um, and he grew up in communist China where they did not they disallowed the Bible, and um, he met someone uh, that he heard had a Bible It was a missionary that was living in secret as a missionary because. He, there was many spies who would try to find missionaries and kick them out. And he went to the house, Brother Yoon, as is, is a I think he was 14 or 15 years old, because he became a Christian through a, a miracle that happened in their home. And uh, and he didn't have a Bible. So he went to this missionary's house and he goes, I heard you have a Bible. And the, and the guy goes, uh, uh, if you really want to know the Bible, if you want a Bible, then you pray and fast and, and, and God will give it to you. So not knowing anything, he goes back thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to pray and the Bible's going to just drop from heaven. And so he sits there and <laughs> prays and, 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 and nothing happens. And so he goes back and he goes, he goes, you said to pray and fast and, and I prayed and nothing happened. He goes, no, you really have to pray and fast until it happens. So he goes back and I think it was three months. He only ate a, as a 15-year-old. This is a high schooler. Wow. He uh, hear like a small bowl of rice, just one, one, one cup of it a day for three months. And the last night he woke up, he had a dream. And in the dream, he had two men carrying a red bag and they're walking on a road and he walks by them. They stop and open this, this red bag and they pull out the Bible and they give it to him and he takes the Bible and he begins to eat it. I'm sorry. He's just really hungry at this point. <laughs> no, but you know, he, he wakes up and he scours the house cause he goes, God gave me a Bible. It's in the middle of the night. His parents wake up they're begin to weep because they thought he literally went insane and they're searching the, the, the whole uh, everything. And they're just sitting there in the middle of the room. He gives up. He doesn't find the Bible and all of a sudden, he, they get a knock on the door at like 2 or 3 a.m. And they open it up and it's the same two men from the dream with a red bag. And he opens it up and says, there's a missionary in this town that heard the Lord say, bring this Bible to this location. Here you go. And he gave him the Bible. And uh, and then he began to memorize it and the story goes on. and uh, But just a radical encounter. Obviously... A radical moment where he heard the heard the Lord in a dream. The same thing that happened in the dream of the same two men. In the same red bag with a Bible showed up at his front door when he woke up. Um, so, I mean, that's just that's that's more modern history. But I know there's church fathers who um, were moved by the voice of God as well.
0: Yeah, I pulled up one here, Polycarp, bishop of Smyrna. He was alive sixty nine to one fifty five A D. You probably heard about him from Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you've ever heard about him before he was alive during the end of some of the apostles' lives, and he's tied to others or in connection with Ignatius and a couple others. His martyrdom is well-known, but what people don't realize is that before he was martyred, he was being pursued by hostiles because of his faith and the position that he had as a bishop of the church. And as the story goes, he told this story, it's recorded, uh, it's actually well-known. And this vision, he could see a pillow under his head that seemed to be on fire. So he has a vision. That's how God communicates one way of, of the several. As he came out of the vision, he turned to those who were with him and said to them prophetically, I must be burnt alive. All right. this is in Fox's Book of Martyrs. So he has a vision of a pillow underneath him that's, under, that's on fire. And when he wakes up, he tells the people, I must be burnt alive. Well, that three days from receiving that vision, the people that were pursuing him caught up with him and they called him to renounce the name of Christ. He would not do that. And uh, they actually burned him alive at the stake. And uh, there's a lot of things that they talk about uh, potentially that happened there as well. But anyways, he saw a vision that he was gonna die uh, by being burned alive. That's exactly what happened. It's a horrible thing, but that's, he saw it was prepared in his heart for this because it was he's going to go be with Jesus. The other one is St. Augustine, Bishop, Bishop of Hippo, 354 to 430 AD. Of course, this is obviously after um, you know, Catholicism now is widespread at this point, or it, like is the institutional religion of Rome. And, uh, and so, he's the Bishop of, of Hippo. And according to his own account, he was sitting with a friend one day, he heard an audible voice that sounded like a child's voice. And it was repeated to him. This is the word, this is what the voice said take up and read. He heard it multiple times. When he heard the voice, he believed it to be a divine exhortation to open the Bible and read whatever passage he happened to turn to. That's just popcorn reading, you know? It just so happened that he turned to this passage in Romans. Now, check this out of all the passages that he could turn to after hearing that voice, this is the one Romans 13 13. <laughs> Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity or in sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. And he says, because of this experience and other influences that he decided to convert to Christianity. He accredits this vision for being a primary reason why he gave his life uh, to Jesus. And we could go on and on, there are many um, uh, other accounts, the patristic age, desert fathers, church fathers, various, uh, you know, Anabaptists, we could talk about even the Reformers, people that don't even believe that God communicates in the personal way, had other language for it, but it's there. So, God speaks to people in history, but also God speaks to people today. And here's what I want to ask you, Trevor. When it comes to God speaking to people today, what is the to you, what is the, the, the greatest example of that in your own life? Not for someone else, but just for you personally. Tell, tell us a story that you feel like is the clearest example that God does speak to people like you or me today. You got to unmute yourself because I can't hear you.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Because you know. your
0: mute I, was an example of what some people believe about God. <laughs> He's mute.
1: Uh, so it, was, it was actually an illustration. I was trying to was that a point prophetic out. demonstration? No no, no, no. All right, feel free not
0: to do that again. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, you no, know, I, I uh, you know, one of the things, and, and actually, you have this in your in your in hearing God, but one of the things that just kind of is, is in my mind and in my heart um, was um, my brother was a he was at war in Afghanistan as a marine and uh uh as he was there i as i was driving home one night very late i was i was in college and i began to, i just had this surge of like passion zeal hit my chest and i'm like i have to pray for my brother and that night i prayed and interceded on on this 20 30 minute drive home and i just cried out to the lord you know by yourself middle of the car you're like yelling you don't even know why you're passionate but i'm just passionate just felt like I needed Mm. to, to, to like cry out to God. Anyway, I, I, I stopped praying, go inside, go to bed and wake up early in the morning where he was hit with an IED and, um, and was, uh, we didn't know what was going on with him, but he ultimately had all of his limbs and he was so lucky to be alive and cognizant. He was fully aware of everything. And, uh, it was a fairly minor, um, uh, thing that happened, even though, uh, it, it was miraculous because he was on top of this bomb, but he was all of his limb, everything was still in, in in there, but even coming to the Lord as well, um, you know, how, how God showed up in my life and it was, he, he spoke to me exactly the things I felt like he was, that I needed to hear and when I say spoke, I mean that he he like moved my heart in a way where I knew he existed and so it was an encounter with God that was his voice where I, he he loved me, but also the presence of God showing me that love, not just telling me. so it was a confirmation where I was like i can't I can't manufacture this encounter. And uh, so, I knew God was in the midst of that room and that place, and it changed my life at that moment. And so, those are the two probably most profound moments where I go, man, God wants to be personal, wants to communicate, and and it does speak. I couldn't say it then. I can say it now, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've got you know a number of stories, and you and I have talked about this a lot of times. Um, The two that stick out the most, the first one is a couple years before, maybe maybe it was two years before I met my wife, I heard I was praying, you know, one one day about something that I I don't remember what I was praying about, but randomly I heard the voice of the Lord say just in my heart. It was that small, still small voice is what we call it, but I call it the internal voice of God. I heard a phrase in my heart, and this is what I heard: that was your first son's name is going to be Isaiah, and. I was like, wow, okay. I didn't really think about that, or (laughs) I had never asked about anything like that. I wasn't praying about a spouse or whatever. I was 21, I think, or maybe 21 and a half, something, something like around there. I was a youth pastor at a church plant in Kirkland. I told my elders, I told my pastor, I told the people that I was in relationship with, you know, hey, over a period of six months. I feel like I heard the voice of the Lord say this to me, and they thought, awesome, you know? So I thought I was going to marry a woman and say to her, the Lord gave me this name, and she was going to say, okay. <laughs> so I would have to, she would have to be fairly compliant. Anyhow, um, I, uh, unbeknownst to me, two years later, I met a, a woman named Bridget, who's my wife today, 18 years later her first son's name, she had two sons. Uh, she was 26 at the time. She had an eight and a 10-year-old. Her first son's name was Isaiah, not her second son. Her first son's name was Isaiah. And um, she had never been married and all of that. And so, when I first met her, I never thought about it because in my mind, although I had heard this word, I did not think I'm going to marry someone that has children. See, this is, this is where you realize you can hear something and it not be applied properly. But over a period of like four to six months, I realized that this is a woman that I'm interested in. And then that word, which I never told her until we were engaged, it became very real. Like, wow. Like, it would have been very strange if her second son's name would have been Isaiah, because I heard the word, your first son's name. It was just like that. And so it's been a part of uh, the testimony of me being not only marrying Bridget, but raising her two boys and being their father. Um, There's others, there's several uh, specific examples of me coming to the church that I'm at now, at Northwest Church in Federal Way, is that I had uh, heard the voice of the Lord clearly in specific ways to know that I was to come here with my family. But one very special thing that happened in, uh, uh, I was, my family and I came to the church that I'm pastoring now in uh, August of 2019. Um, We officially accepted the role in June of 2019. But what nobody knew, uh, and the pastors of the church, my predecessor, did not remember, was that October eighth of two thousand and three, I had attended my first Foursquare District Conference in Squim, Washington, as a youth pastor, and I was out there by myself. And they made a call for like anybody that wants prayer, that you're struggling or whatever, you need prayer. So they have the elders line up. These were all like pastors of churches. And as a young youth pastor, I was struggling with whether or not I really wanted to be in ministry or whatever because I had you know other things before me and I just didn't feel like things were working out. And so I got in line and I was basically the last in line and I walked up to this couple after waiting for maybe 25 minutes or so and it was Steve and Mary Shell. I had no idea who they were and then basically um, Steve laid his hands on my head and he, he, he prayed for the anointing, and then his wife, Mary, laid hands on me, and she prayed that I would serve God with joy. I didn't tell them anything, just that I would serve God with joy, and, and then Steve prophesied over me just about a fresh anointing and that God was going to anoint me for ministry and all this, and I didn't tell them I was struggling or anything. Well, anyways, fast forward, uh, 2003, that's the couple that lays hands on me, and like something changed in my life to want to pursue ministry. And even though things changed in my own circumstances, um it just I didn't go off in another direction. It was always something in front of me that the Lord called me to, and their prayers were powerful in that regard. Well, August third and fourth of twenty nineteen, I never told Stephen Mary that that had happened. But that I got a phone call in April of 2019 and me and Steve talked and he asked me to consider coming to take the church, Northwest Church. And I I was like, hey, we don't even know each other that well. He didn't remember he even prayed for me. But I remembered that Steve laid hands on me in 2003. And the Lord spoke to my heart through that and was like, you know, as I prayed about this was me. Like I was, that prayer that him and Mary prayed over me when they laid hands on me was not just an anointing for that season, but it was also prophetic for an anointing of another season. The Lord spoke to my heart and said, this is that. And I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, that's just crazy to even imagine that. Like, I've never had anybody lay hands on me in the 20 years, like the 17 years of ministry between those two periods. Like, Like not an elder that I can think of unless it was like somebody I knew, but not random, not that kind of thing. And so for another person, it might seem kind of like coincidence. But the Holy Spirit said, this is that. And I knew, and this was before they offered me the job. And then of course it was offered and we accepted. So those are two clear examples for me of, uh, I've got a lot of other ones. I could talk about all kinds of prophetic stuff, which we will in the upcoming... St- uh, I would like to tell some prophetic stories, um, stuff that'll get me into trouble. Actually, that would be fun. We'll uh, talk about all the stuff that I never talked about. You think I should do that? You think we should actually just have an episode where I talk about all the crazy stuff that like you literally have to trust me to even yes. hear me say it? Okay. Because I have never... There yes. are like, like angel stories I've never told. Um, there's only a few people in my mm-hmm. life that know them. But if I tell it on a podcast, man, I don't know. That's for the world to hear. That could make, that could mark me, don't you think?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Should oh, I do, do it? Should we do it? Story? I mean...
0: Hey, if anybody's listening to this podcast, yeah, yeah. what do you think? All right. All right, let's close, Trevor, by talking about this. We've already gone a long time. I love talking to you. You're in Atlanta. We forgive you for that again. But why do people struggle with hearing God personally? Why do people struggle with hearing God personally
1: I'm glad you asked Ben <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I just wanted to be funny okay I mean I think first we uh have encountered really bad teaching or bad examples I think bad examples really highlight the the the, the, the that question because we uh there's been plenty of people uh you know my uh a, a A a distant family member, I'll just say to keep it really vague, you know, when when they were young, they went to a church and asked for healing. And someone said, as as she's 16 years old, that she has demons inside of her. And she just started crying because she was afraid that that was true. Wow. And that this person heard the voice of God that they discerned that there's demons inside of her. And that's why she has sickness or pain in her body. And uh, there's just bad Mm over-spiritualization that we can um, begin to almost on some people on accident, some people because they're untrained, some people because their zeal's here and their know-how is here, but they end up being bad examples that damage people to go, this doesn't seem right, this is weird, this is not true, you know, and we've gone to meetings where people... Um, it's more distracting than equipping it's more you know it's more damaging than it is encouraging it's not helpful it's not it's, it, you know there's lack of order and so i think there's we we have gone to environments where we've seen people handle the voice of god um importantly we know there's popular televangelists who would fake prophetic words Mm -hmm. who would read note cards and they were found out later and gave prophetic words and it was just to build them up and to build their ministry and it just takes a beautiful gift of the the, of the prophetic and smears it Mm -hmm. and smears it but there's also just bad teaching you know we we address the camps and where people go and um and so I think one bad teaching is that we, we literally put guardrails on our relationship with God where the Holy Spirit does not speak. He convicts, uh, but he doesn't speak. And, uh, and and then there's bad teachings where people actually who are prophets who are trying to teach, but they're just not good teachers And they're saying crazy things. You're you're being generous there.
0: (laughs) They're not good teachers. You're being very generous by saying they're not good teachers. That's like a soft. They're not good teachers. You mean they're erroneous? You mean they're false? You mean they're terrible? Is that? Am I in the right neighborhood there?
1: Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I don't think people. I don't. I
0: don't think people are being hurt by not good teachers.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, we know some of these prophetic voices who, they're every almost every prophetic voice. That is mainstream. Said Trump was going to win twenty twenty.
0: There's a lot, and of them,
1: yeah. uh, I'll give you that softball right there. You there know, is, yeah.
0: Well, that was a, that was shameful. <laughs> Let's just be honest. That's shameful. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that said that, but this is not new. In two thousand eight, the election, mm-hmm. many prophetic words. McCain Palin were going to win. They were wrong. Most people never apologized. Mm-hmm. End of the world predictions. How many of us remember Y two K? I was working at Washington Mutual Chase during Y two K changeover. Just want you to know that working at the bank, it was never really a thing. And yet, I was going to church, and I was hearing about Y two K was going to be this big reset. And I'm working at a bank, and I'm like, "Well, they're not even telling us that. How how are you hearing that from God? Why would they not equip us better at?" At work. <laughs> so I definitely didn't prophesy any of that or believe it. There's just tons and tons of, of, of charismania. You know, I always say the crazy stuff out there, there's bad examples. It's a lot like charismania is like WrestleMania. It's just not real. You know, it, it's just, if you've ever seen WrestleMania, it's like not real wrestling. It's all antics and showmanship. And unfortunately, that stuff that's out there that people even protect, and I don't know why, and and I guess we want to say this, because we're going to do a whole episode on prophetic stuff to really cleanse the prophetic, and what is what is the prophetic? How do we prophesy? Um, what does it really mean to discern and weigh words? All that kind of stuff is super important. Uh, how do we discern through pe- uh, people that have missed it and all that But there's so much of it now that most people would rather, a lot of people would rather be just done away with the idea that God speaks. Let's just stick to the word. Let's just preach the word. We're safe. I totally get that. That's where I think the Thessalonians were when Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, he said, despise or quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. You know, quench not the spirit. Quenching the spirit, he defines as despising, not prophesying. Like you should desire... Why? Why did they despise the prophecy because people had ran through their camp saying the Lord had already returned. That's where we get the teaching in First Thessalonians four and uh, and five, and that's why he's saying don't despise prophesying even though it's been abused. So he gives us something clear about that. But yeah, we've encountered bad teaching, bad examples. The second reason why we can struggle with hearing the voice of God. Personally, is that we thought we heard God and it turned out that we were wrong. This is actually a pretty common thing that happens. Maybe we were praying and we felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to our hearts. And whatever we thought He said to us actually didn't come to pass. And so then you're walking around with this confusion, this pain from the past. And even if He's communicating to you in the present, you're like, second-guessing yourself, is this really Him? Is this really God? Does God really speak? And then at the same time, when another person says, God spoke to me, we don't know that we really believe it because we have this experience that we're struggling through still. And it becomes a wound of the past and wounds – can also be voices in our life. They can be voices in our ear, in our heart, and and God wants to remove that. He wants to cleanse that because sometimes we are wrong. And that's why the Bible says we need to discern whether what is God when he's speaking to us and how much of it's God. This is why it talks about giving us discerning principles. And so I wanna encourage anybody that's ever felt like God did speak to me, but then I found out I was wrong or part of it was wrong and now I'm confused. He wants to cleanse us of all that confusion, but that really is one of the ways that we can be stuck and we can stop Pursuing and seeking and listening in a way where we actually think this is uh, God speaking to us. It can be quite damaging. And that's one of the reasons why people get stuck. Another is we can compare ourselves to others and we don't experience what they communicate about hearing God, like a person that has visions and dreams, and we've never had visions and dreams, or a person's like, the Lord spoke to me, and the way they communicate is super definitive. And so, if that's how God speaks, it doesn't happen to me. And so, we distance ourselves from those who supposedly hear God specifically, personally, and consistently. And because of that, we are not in the same place that they are and don't have the same gifts that they are. It's easy to distance ourselves from the entirety of hearing the voice of God when this is our example. And so I would say to you that regardless of, of what we see in other people, we have to remember that seldom is God's voice an actual voice. God communicates in several different ways. In my book, I teach nine different ways that God communicates, and it's important to realize that these are all scriptural. It's not just one way or another, and some people speak an over-definitive terms, which can turn us off and make us think that it's not normal for us. And that's just not the case. I have always encouraged people to understand how God's speaking and communicating to them personally, because it could be very, very different from how it is with me or other people. And, and uh, there's several other things that I have in here, like we're not taught what it really means to hear the voice of God. You could pick up my book for more about that, Study the Word of God. We don't spend time with the Lord in prayer and study of His Word. There are a lot of factors into why we struggle with this, but my encouragement to those of you that are saying, Ben, I want to hear the voice of God. I'm seeking, I'm asking, I'm praying, I'm pressing in. What do I really need to do? And I just want to leave you with a couple quick things. I'm not going to teach them. I'm not going to explain them or expound on them. I just want to say them. Number one is dedicate yourself to a season of learning. All right, we're not gonna start at the end, we start at the beginning. So, dedicate yourself to a season of learning, studying the Word of God. What does it say about hearing His voice? Reading materials like my book or somebody else's, and then learning from other people that you trust when they say, I believe the Lord spoke to me ask them questions. The second is unravel your expectations and consider what is reasonable. Maybe our expectations are too high for what we think God does, and we want to make sure that we know what those are so that we're not trying to fulfill an expectation we have rather than what the scriptures teach. Ask more questions about it so we can better understand. That's always helpful. And then finally, consider your past hurts and see if they play a role in your current struggle. If you're struggling with hearing the voice of God, it could be that things in the past, whether it's bad examples, bad teaching, or disillusionment from what you thought you heard, and maybe you were wrong about, maybe that has a living voice to you right now, and God wants to help you with that so that we can move beyond and and get closer to Him and hearing Him. In consistent and clear ways. All of this to say, I just want to encourage anybody that's listening or watching today that God does speak personally, God does speak relationally, and that does not mean that you have to have a low view of Scripture in order to believe this and adhere to it. I want to encourage you to press into your relationship with God through the person of the Holy Spirit as you follow Jesus Christ and watch what the Lord will do. Well, thank you for joining me today on Conversations with Ben Dixon. Trevor, thanks for being a co-host. Looking forward to having you back. God bless you guys. Look forward to more episodes in the future, and we will see you soon. God bless you.